Welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, where we get to the bottom of issues, trends, and developments in future fuels and vehicles. I'm your host, Tammy Klein, Principal Consultant with Future Fuel Strategies. And with me today is Mike Roth, who is the Executive Director of NACFI, or the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. Let me tell you a little bit about Mike's background. He has worked in the commercial vehicle industry for over 30 years and leads the trucking efficiency in addition to his leading being the executive director of the North American Council for Freight Efficiency, also leads the trucking efficiency operations for the Rocky Mountain Institute Carbon War Room. Mike's specialty is brokering green truck collaborative technologies into the real world at scale, and that's certainly beginning to happen. He has a Bachelor of Science in Engineering from The Ohio State University and a Master's in Organizational Leadership from the Indiana Institute of Technology. Mike, welcome to the program. Yeah, hello. It's good to be here. Good to have you. So for the listeners who may not be familiar, can you talk about what the North American Council for Freight Efficiency does, its mission, your role, and a little bit more about what you do? The exciting thing about NACFI is and I love to tell this story is that we we came out of a workshop. So, you know, all of us, many most of your listeners, I'm sure we've been to workshops before where at the end we, you know, we say somebody ought to do this, this, and that. Well, in 2009, there was a workshop and, and the idea was what became NACSI. Somebody ought to create a uh, independent, unbiased, organization that helps, uh, you know, vet and understand technologies that are emerging. And if you go back to 2009, you know, fuel prices were skyrocketing. You know, we were we had diesel fuel approaching $5. I don't remember exactly when, but in, in the United States, it was, you know, around $5. And so it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, what are we going to do with, with these semi-tractors operating up to 120,000 miles a year with a single driver? You know, that's a lot of fuel. I mean, it was sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year in fuel per truck. So that workshop created NACFI. And um, you know, I'm happy to be and honored to be the only executive director. So we're now in our eleventh year and um we're about helping to um scale efficiency technologies. And when we talk about efficiency, you know, it's not only burning less fuel, but it's being more efficient with the asset. So you know, freight efficiencies in our name. And so whether it's burning less diesel or being more efficient with carbon and moving to electric or hydrogen trucks or, you know, how the trucks are operated and getting more freight on the truck. I mean, you these freight trucks are, are big, so they can double their weight with the payload. So, you know, an empty truck will have a high MPG, but it's not moving in freight, where a full truck We'll have a lower MPG, but it's getting more work done because it's all in more freight. So we like to think about efficiency in sort of the broadest sense, which makes sense now that we're not only working to reduce the diesel fuel use in diesel trucks, but also what are the opportunities with things like renewable natural gas or with battery electric vehicles or hydrogen? We're very involved in uh, in that space now. So uh, that's us. We, um, we're lean and mean fairly small group, but definitely have found our niche and our place in helping fleets and manufacturers and governments and others uh, in this area. So just getting a little bit more into the the technology, some of the ones that you mentioned, which current technologies are NACFI members and others in industry using to improve 
efficiency. Are there are there particular technologies that the industry is beginning to favor? The most visible would be aerodynamics. So, you know, you go back 10 years, you still had, for the U.S. listeners, um, you know, we had what we called, you know, West Coast cowboy long and tall trucks. So, you know, those were the big old bad looking chrome trucks. Well, they were, they looked cool, but they were three, four, five mile per gallon trucks. And so aerodynamics of the hoods and the cabs, and then, you know, even on the trailers. So the most obvious is aerodynamics. And, you know, that's really helped because now, you know, we've done demonstrations. We have our run on less demonstration where we proved that 10.1 mile per gallon is, is what came out of that demonstration with real haul, real freight, real drivers, real trucks, available technologies. So it, it can be, um, you know, uh, we can nearly double the freight efficiency from a number of years ago. After aerodynamics, you know, some things become less visible. The powertrain where we've got automated manual transmissions now that are linked to, you know, smart transmissions to smart engines, and we can fine tune those. You know, we always use the analogy like, you, you know, you optimize your phone. So mm-hmm. we can optimize these trucks and they can even learn from the topography they're driving on to help with you know, how they handle cruise control and those things. Other areas are, you know, tire rolling resistance, idle reduction. And, you know, how do we keep a uh, driver? Many of these truck drivers sleep in their trucks. They stream information or technology or entertainment to their trucks. You know, many use things like sleep apnea devices and other things, or they cook in their truck. So there's a lot of hotel loads, we call them, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as they stop. So, you know, traditionally, you know, they, they just let the big engine run all night long. So how stupid is that? You got a 400 horsepower engine just to keep the cabin cool. So a lot of technologies around using batteries to do that to, to other things. So it's a long list. We follow 85 technologies on tractor trailers that can reduce fuel. And uh, some are really obvious. Yeah. Some are really obvious. Some are uh, new, some are scaled, you know, some are on the other day, all new trucks. Some are only on a few. Some don't work on certain kinds of trucks or, uh, you know, the way they operate. That's what we're here to do is help uh, weed through all of that. Some of which are going to be there, whether it's a diesel, natural gas, electric, or whatever. I mean, good tires are good tires for fuel economy, mm-hmm. you know, regard, regardless of the fuel. So I want to ask you specifically, because we're seeing a, a lot out there, I, you know, like, you know, four years ago, even three years ago. I really had a lot of doubt as an analyst, someone, you know, covering the future fuel transportation <laughs> space, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the different sectors, really had a lot of doubts about, you know, electrification for heavy duty vehicles. And I'm not talking like electric buses. I mean, I'm talking just, you know, you know, heavy duty uh, vehicles. But now it's like it's everywhere. I mean, it's absolutely you know, everywhere. And you have countries that are setting, you know, certain requirements. California now has is, is, is joined. I mean, it is really amazing. So how are you seeing the future of electrification, these these kinds of technologies? And also the concept sure. of pl- 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 platooning, autonomy is another. How are you seeing those evolve? Yeah, so me too. I had my doubts and I still do. And so let me Mm -hmm. just kind of tell you how how I think about it and how actually how Naxi thinks about it and what we've concluded from our work on electric trucks. And, you know, first of all, you mentioned four years ago. So if I went back four years ago, 
I think my reaction would was, come on, batteries, you know, batteries mm-hmm. moving freight. I mean, that's why we have engines, right? And that's why we burn oil. And so, you know, the first kind of hurdle was was getting over that, that batteries could do it. And um, I think they can. Now, can they go the full, you know, full trip? And what about dwell time and charge times? And how many miles can you get on the charge? All that's got to be dealt through and worked on. And, you know, maybe it will, will be some of the market, not all of it. But fact of the matter is, you know, kind of the I and the, you know, the industry had to get over that batteries could even do the job. And yes, they can. And then it was like, okay, well, maybe the batteries are doing it, but we don't have the trucks. The, the current truck companies are just too work, you know, invested in diesel and, and, and they're working hard on it. You got natural gas. I mean, so we don't have the trucks. Well, big moment in 2017 when Tesla has this big semi-truck launch and we're all like, oh my goodness, I was there. And, and we all kind of saw that. But what was most interesting, maybe in addition to that night, but maybe more importantly, was how in the next months following did all of these projects come out of the woodwork, even with traditional diesel players like Cummins and Daimler and so forth, where they had electric truck programs going and they were, uh, and, and that just sort of brought them out from their research and development areas and maybe skunk works and into the, into the real world. So now we got the trucks coming. Now it's a matter of uh, a lot of other things. And we've looked deeply at electric trucks and you know, they're very simple. So to get to the emissions levels that we, you know, we need for, or, you know, need for diesels, uh, there's a lot of after treatment. There's a lot of cost. There's a lot of complexity on these trucks to get them clean, also to get them efficient. And the electric trucks, you know, really very simple. Now it's got its challenges with software and high voltage and on and on. But if you just compare the two uh, architectures, it's much simpler and could be less maintenance and, and, and easier to deal with. But also we found a lot of benefits that will have monetary benefits to the carriers, to the drivers, to others, when it comes to noise and vibration and a lot of other things. There's a lot of positives to electric trucks that um, that are exciting. Now, having said that, the infrastructure to charge is a challenge. The range and the dwell time and other things are, are growing challenges. But trucking is a very diverse market. And there are a lot of different use cases, many more than people understand. And here, I've been at it 30 years. And I'm going to keep my bio to say 30 when it goes to 35 and 40 and 45. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you there. My, yeah, just to keep my age up. But um, I think they're they're really here. And what we need to do is put them in the right spot in these you know very diverse marketplace with a lot of variation. Where are electric trucks best? Put them in there early and uh, and then learn as we move forward. I like the way you posed the question because we are in the classic hype cycle high point of electric trucks. And it's now important to to put them in really the right places, the right geography, the right duty cycle, the right places. For instance, we're just talking as a team beverage. So beverage tractors go out very heavy, but when they get to the store, they dwell there for a good while. And, uh, you know, they unload the beverages and make sure that there's customer service with the dealership, with the driver, with the store and the driver and so forth. And they end up with, you know, maybe 100, 200, at most 300 miles a day for those sort of beverage delivery. Really good place for where we are with electric trucks right now. But that hype is really there. I agree with you. I know that some of your members are experimenting with or dabbling in 
you know, technologies such, such as electrified trucks. Is there anything you can tell us about what their experiences have been? First of all, the infrastructure is hard. The electric charging stations, what speed do you want to charge at? These trucks are big. You know, I think we all should think about, okay, that you know, we've all seen the Tesla chargers or the car chargers, you know, and there's a car, they're all parked next to one another and so forth. Well, think about a, you know, 75 foot tractor trailer and it's turning radius. How does it get into the charging spot? What kind of real estate? So the early adopters of electric trucks have, uh, you know, are seeing a, those are big challenges. And, and, you know, we knew it going in, but sort of getting, so the first thing I would say is getting the, the, the infrastructure in place and the time that that might take, particularly if you're going to charge more than one or two of these trucks, where maybe you're into substation changes, maybe even back up into closer to the grid that might need to be done if you're going to charge 10, 50, or 100 of these trucks. So that's one. Another one I would say is how much the drivers love them. These are like ginormous golf carts. And if anybody's (laughs) driven a golf cart, it's fun to drive a golf cart. And, you know, we can fine tune the, um, you know, the drivability for, you know, making sure that, you know, it can be aggressive. It can be slower. The slower is going to, you know, slower in quotes, right? The more gentle driving can be more efficient and get longer range, but the drivers love it. You know, it's quiet. And so, the fleets are already seeing that. And at a time where, you know, it's hard to attract truck drivers and other things, that, that's not a, a mediocre point. They also are um, the availability of these trucks. Um, you know, again, maybe back to the hype a little bit. You know, if you're just reading and thinking about it, you'd think that you can get a truck overnight. Uh, these trucks are not yet available. I mean, the truck builders are doing a, a good job of, of gearing up, but, um, no pun intended with gearing, but you know, you can't really get them yet. And so there's a little bit of frustration on some of these very early adopting fleets that, you know, I like what I've got here. I want to start looking at scaling in other places. You know, there's many of these early deployments are in California. So some of the, the early adopter fleets that Maxi works very closely with, they're looking at where do we go next? So do we, um, you know, do we go to Texas or New York or, or, or uh, Canada or wherever? And um, they're wanting to do that. And yet the infrastructure takes time to, to develop and the truck availability. When am I going to really get it? All of that for those early adopters is really on their on their on their plate right now. So um, I wouldn't say any big surprises, but they're wanting to get on with it and um, struggling a little to figure out that roadmap. You know, it is interesting what you say about infrastructure. So, you know, one of the projects that I'm working on and, and there will be, uh, you know, I'm sort of in mid-process is, is working with the Fuels Institute, their Electric Vehicle Council in assessing all of the laws and regulations for the 50 states and also for the top 27 metropolitan statistical areas and the cities and counties within those areas. So like 100 cities and 100 counties, looking at what are their requirements on the non-residential charging side. And it's been a real surprise. You know, I'm finished with the principal research and the the draft report. It's not public yet because it'll go through a review process. But it's it is shocking to me because the technology really is is going faster than state and locality capability to keep up with putting in place standards. 
And I'm not talking about the type of plugs. I'm talking about, you know, what are the, the what are the requirements that should be in place for installation? What are the requirements that should be in place, you know, for how charging um, sites uh, should operate? And there's a lot of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of ambiguity. And it surprised me in a way because many of these areas actually have ZEF requirements, and you can bet that many of these these states, they will follow California in putting into place, I think, in future future years, probably in the next few years, a heavy-duty ZEV you know, re- requirement. And yeah. that's what was really most shocking to me is like, oh, wow, you know, this hasn't, it really, the, tech, the, the technology has far outpaced the ability for for states and localities to regulate in this area. And there's just a total, it's a patchwork. It really, we used to talk about boutique fuels, but now it's like boutique, (laughs) boutique charging. So, um, and I know that affects, that's going to affect the heavy duty electrification as well. The way I think about this is we're we're at the beginnings of of a transformation that's going to take decades. And back to my, just, point a few minutes ago. I mean, we need to be really creating, whether it's a, you know, you can't get everybody to align around a single strategy, but but there's cert- certain just logical movements here. So we think that transit buses move in electric, medium duty package delivery, where, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 miles of daily range will be enough. Those will be some of the earliest adopters of electric trucks. And then we get into, you know, what we call regional hall which are, um, you know, out and back, uh, you know, in a day where the truck comes home to its base every night for charging and so forth. And, and then ultimately, and maybe longer out, you know, will be the, you know, the disparate routes, the sleep in the truck, like we were talking about earlier. You know, those will be a long time because there's just, the infrastructure is not there. So there's going to be a crawling, walking before we run. And I think the success will be if together, the various, uh, you know, elements of the system here uh, work in different areas before they get to others. So the ones that will be most appropriate, most successful for electric trucks. So an example of that would be depot charging rather than, um, you know, truck stop charging. So there's, or corridor charging. I mean, at some point we got to figure out the corridor charging to be able to, you know, either opportunity charge these trucks to add some power to them, but but that to me you know is a little bit later. That's in the running or jogging timeframe to use my analogy. Right now, there's enough demand or interest in depot charging behind the fence. So we're talking now about the fleet investing in a facility to be able to charge these trucks. Do that first, learn that, and then move out into you know ultimately more sort of public charging of trucks. But to me, that's down the road some. And I don't want people to think that, you know, I don't want to work on the future, but I think this is, this is, we got to take a step, learn, take another step, learn, take another step, learn. And that's where the variation of trucks or this diversity that I'm talking about actually helps us because it gives us these, uh, you know, beachheads like CalStart talks about them or, you know, waves. It's these earlier adopting pieces that we can learn from scale there. And then scale up the next one and the next one and the next one and do that somewhat, you know, in series, but also a bit in parallel. And I, I think that's, you know, 20 years from now, if we look back, if we do that, then uh, then it'll be successful. If we if we put round pegs and square holes along the way, that's where it'll be 
uh, troublesome. So I want to turn a little bit now to policy. So what kinds of policies should states and even the federal government be considering to to foster freight efficiency? Well, I think, you know, there's, you know, the, the classic carrot and stick. And I think there's a lot of great work going on in both areas. So the national, the EPA, you know, in Canada has, uh, you know, similar greenhouse gas rule you know, both encourages and demands truck makers to build more fuel-efficient trucks, but also for diesel and natural gas, but also it allows for benefits for incentives or credits for the electric and advanced trucks. So that is, uh, you know, I think pretty solid. And then you've got the incentive-based pieces where um, whether it's, and I think we need both, these early adopters need help with buying the trucks because of their high expense right now and being very one-off, bespoke kind of prototypes or, or very early production, as well as the infrastructure challenges that I'm, that I'm talking about. And so I think cities and states that are that are foresight and ahead of time and, and seeing this coming and can jump on helping to make their region on the forefront of this is a really good thing. So Maxi is not really a, a policy advocacy group, but we can see and we've seen where that can really help. So fleets are looking for those incentives and, um, you know, the electric truck, you know, it, it will be deployed um, in some in some manner to those places where they, uh, uh, you know, they have that, that, that support. I know that the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis earlier this month, so I, I've taken the opportunity to, to review their plan you know, all 547 <laughs> pages of it. No, just, just the transport related. You know, I've looked at their plan. I've looked at the Biden platform. You know, I actually even went back and looked at the the New Green Deal and just, you know, sort of the, the evolution. And I also looked on the Republican side as well, though there's, there's not much there. The House Select Committee, I was really kind of stunned to read the report because it's like, okay, somebody did their homework. Um, it's really very, I don't think I've seen such a, such a comprehensive vision or strategy and, you know, say what you will about the, about the politics of it. It's like, well, we really haven't had an energy vision in quite some years. And the provisions for transport were really Specific, and I think it's one of the first plans I think I've ever ever really seen that really doesn't just focus on light duty, but also focuses on other modes like heavy yeah. duty. So on the heavy duty side, some of their recommendations included, you know, greenhouse gas standards with a, at least a four percent year-over-year pollution reduction beginning in model year 28, 2028, a ZEV requirement. Purchase incentives, just like you were just talking about, grants for all fuels infrastructure, tax credits for zero emission charging and, and fueling stations, uh, both for heavy and medium duty vehicles. And I was wondering, what is your reaction to some of the things that that were suggested, and and do the members have any any reaction? I mean, it's pretty comprehensive, but there's some good there is some yeah. good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't read the 600 pages. Good, good for you. But the items, but the items you bring up, and you know, the items you bring up, and the people I, you know that I talk to, those things make sense. 
I remember being part of, you know, National Academy of Sciences Committee, which studied the greenhouse gas rule and, and other things. This, 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 you know, it, it has its last step in 2027. So, um, you know, and, and you would expect a few years there. So it, it, it's out to 2030. You know, trucks are important to put in the equation here. You know, passenger cars globally, you know, there's more of them, but they're improving their fuel efficiency all the time. And so, you know, truck, trucks are kind of next and, and, and we've got a, a great history uh, of working on technology and efficiency. And, you know, there's a pathway there. I think also another reason why these things can help is that, you know, there's a whole different attitude towards sustainability as a, uh, as a business strategy or even must. So um, the old days of, okay, work on efficiency when fuel prices are high and then when fuel prices are low, just get the product to the market. We don't care how much fuel we burn. Fuel is part of trucks, right? Well, now with the rule, it's regardless of the fuel price. Now, I talked to many truck builders and others that are like, this is going to be harder to get the end users to buy more fuel efficient trucks if fuel is cheap than it is when it's expensive. But, you know, with the, with the rule and, and other, you know, regulations, that just means that they, they have more work to do on it. Now, who knows where fuel prices are going? And it makes the, the developers and the engineers gives them a bigger challenge to make these technologies affordable because trucks are tools and um, mm-hmm. we want our food and our clothing at the store when we get there. And so the demands of moving freight efficiently and uh, on time and at low cost is always going to be there. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think the, the things you mentioned make sense. You know, I'm not a politician. We're not an advocacy group. So we'll let all the, the people yeah. figure it out. <laughs> the one thing I would add there, though, is we have fallen in love with zero emissions or at least mm-hmm. zero tailpipe emissions. And I think we do need to consider and keep in mind that, you know, there's what we have today and there could be some, you know, some near zero or better ones. And we just need to make sure that we're not legislating to the to perfection or to all the way to zero and missing some opportunities in between. So that's kind of an execution of these policies, I think, that needs to be thought about. But, um, you know, at NACFI, we call, you know, it'll be, it's an electric future away from internal combustion engines, but on the way there, it's going to be a messy middle because there's just a ton of really good things from, you know, renewable natural gas, right? Let's burn that bad stuff in landfills and, you know, let's burn that in our trucks instead of wait. So, that's yeah. not zero emission, you know, especially if we're if we're having to use some petroleum based compressed natural gas or natural gas in the process. So that's my only thought or an additional yeah. thought there. Renewable diesel is, is another. Again, it's it's not uh, zero, but some of them are pretty good, low carbon intensity fuels, depending on feedstock. But yeah, I, I think you're, you know, you're, you're right there. The, the messy middle, I think is a, is a good way to put it because that that's my read of, I think what the 20, 2020s will be going into 2030, there will be push pull <laughs> and likely litigation. Cause you know, we're Americans. That's what we do. There may be policies proposed that some quite aren't ready, uh, ready for. So I, I just see a lot of push pull and a lot of evolution of technology. There may be, for example, biofuels out there that are kind of coming through the valley of death. There's a lot of drop-in diesel diesel substitutes out there. And some of these companies are just beginning to scale up now. And they might 
make a real contribution, you know, between now and, well, I'd say maybe 2025 to maybe 2040, you know, 2045 or possibly beyond, you know, I don't know, just just depends. But I think also your point about heavy duty vehicle fuel efficiency, I do think that's the next next frontier. And there's very few countries or regions that have really done much on that besides Europe now for the first time over the last couple of years, they've set a policy. There's this country and and there's a few others. I think it's really only four regions slash countries that have done that. And so I think that's a future future thing coming. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, the, the, the greenhouse gas phase two rule for trucks, the first big step is in January of 2021. But that rule went final in 2016 uh, to give us the five years to prepare for it. And, you know, it was pretty extraordinary. I mean, globally, that wasn't fuel economy standards for trucks is not a global thing. The U.S. is actually in the lead in in doing that in a a business that's very complex, hard to regulate. And actually, to my comments earlier, I think they got it pretty right, given here we are in 2020 with electric trucks coming there's a bet, you know, there's a there's a way to take credit for that. I mean, it's um it's never perfect. Um, you know, regulations mm-hmm. are a very difficult thing, but um, but uh, you know, we should be proud of of what we what we put together, both the government and the industry, because you know, not everyone's behind it. You know, and they never are. To your point earlier, right. but there's a good critical mass that's like, uh, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Let's build more fuel efficient trucks. Let's figure it out, and um, and it's happening. So just last question, you know, in, in terms of freight efficiency, we talked a little bit about how you see the future evolving. And we just talked about the messy, the messy middle. But do you have any, you know, like additional vision of how you see freight efficiency, you know, evolving in this next yeah. 10 to 15 years? We see um, sometimes we call it truck to truck intermodal. So, you know, the, one of the big benefits of a truck versus sort of rail is that, you know, it can go to every doorstep. So a truck can take it to the doorsteps. Now, do I want my tractor trailer going into a subdivision? Maybe not. But but uh, the truck can get to addresses, and uh, but it can come at a pretty big expense. So what we see emerging is uh, hub and spoke of freight movement, um, warehousing, where one truck brings in the, the freight and maybe gets the trailer gets dropped and picked up by a different truck. It might be a city truck versus a long haul truck could have different fuels. Maybe there's, you know, quick sorting of, of goods and so forth. So we see a lot of change there. Maybe there's an automated self-driving truck as part of that system where possibly exit to exit on freeways, we can do, you know, uh, uh, trucking, or maybe there's a driverless uh, platooned truck following one with a driver in it. Um, but we're, we we see uh, a lot of change there as we move forward, and that change needs to take into account these these different items we've talked about over the time our time together here. You know whether it's electric or hydrogen uh, or whatever that needs to fit in to this new new system of goods movement. So very exciting time to be in trucking. You know I I, I think that um, uh, you know it's been an industry that some have looked at as kind of oh wow, who wants to do trucking right I mean those big trucks just get in my way on the freeway <laughs> but um <laughs> but it's 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 cool it's cool it's dynamic there's a lot of interesting players and the industry is is much more accepting to the technologies than a lot of people think so good times not easy <laughs> ones but good times 
All right. Well, we'll leave it on that upbeat uh, upbeat note. That's the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. I want to thank Mike so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate you sharing your views and a little bit more about NACV and what NACV is doing. And if you're looking for more analysis on future fuels issues, head to my website, futurefuelstrategies.com, and sign up for my free biweekly newsletter. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.